Welcome to Politics Welcome Done to Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. But before we get started, of course, we do what is the normal thing to do. Get to the geniuses in our studio in the control room is Harold Reynolds and Jack Van Weber. How are my favorite peeps doing this morning? Ah, uh, you make me laugh. Geniuses, we are not. <laughs> oh, but we do hey. keep the tin cans and string polished up and ready to go. Hey, you know what? To be able to do that, brother, requires, and to the audience at large that are speaking, it requires the geniuses. Talk to me, my brothers. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to find you some. We don't know where they are. Oh, here. Yeah, more than that, Stanley. This is another fine mess you've got me into. Gee, Ollie. There we go. What you got for us today? Well, I got a little message on immigrants. I live amongst immigrants, and kindness is a two-way street. There has been many groups of immigrants come and stay for a while and move on as their lives improve and they move past the degradations suffered in their own countries. I watch them blossom and grow as their hope for the future brightens. My hope is for America to honor them, not demonize them. Love it. Love it. Love it. That is the one and only Jack Van Beber. And you know, I started the show and I didn't start with what I'm supposed to say, which is good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, the United States. And of course, good morning, the rest of the world. Alistair Waters is already here in the house with us on the screens. But today we have a great show for you folks. How do we get started? GOP mansion caused child poverty explosion. We may get to that. Uh, Hayes calls out Fox News on this same poverty issue. I want to get that at least in the middle of the show. And of course, with us, it's Thursday. So the one and only... Texas activist, Houston activist, Harris County activist, Neil Aquino is in the house with us. Neil Aquino, the uh, Houston Democracy Project founder, and also I like to say the guy who likes to create a ruckus, giving our our local senators a hard time. Good morning, Neil Aquino. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Alberto. Good morning. Good morning, everyone listening. And I'm uh, as, as always appreciative to, to be on the show and, and, and to have have the listeners and, and the viewers hear me. Well, you know, I think it's important because, um, you know, one of the things we like to cover is what's happening locally uh, as well as nationally. Locally, because what happens in Harris County as a bellwether county affects the entire country. A lot of people don't realize that, but we are one of the Actually, I think we are the number one Bell County, I mean, Bellwether County now in the state in the United States. So it, it matters. Well, if you, if you listen to the right wingers, um, you they would tell you that the fate of Western civilization, as they see it, uh, you know, Gandhi said Western civilization would be a good idea. But the fate of Western civilization hangs on Harris County because they have a, a formula where uh, as Harris County goes, goes Texas, goes the nation. Uh, goes the Western world, so uh, we're not we're not subscribing uh, to their interpretation of the county as a bellwether county, but uh, that's the stakes for them. Yeah, it, it's amazing. But you know what? I, I tell you, Neil, what I think I want to uh, I want to do this morning is I want to touch 
on the poverty issue first, because this is something that affects the entire country and specifically a city like Houston. Um, what we found, well, I tell you what, let me play the piece. And because uh, I'm going to play the piece, I, I think I did a lot of the explanation in there. So let's go ahead and do that. And then we'll take it on the other side. Census data now proves categorically that poverty is a choice. We have the choice in America to let people live in poverty or not. It is amazing that we have no problems giving tax breaks, tax benefits to the wealthy who don't particularly know, need it. I mean, the, we repeat these statements at nauseum, but you know what we have now as a statement of fact? We have the census data now that can, within the period of three years, show us that policy can remove people out of poverty or it can ensure that people remain in Gosh, poverty. I, I, I want you to take a look at how it was expressed on Chris, with Chris Hayes and how the right wing is spinning that poverty has more than doubled over the last year, simply because Joe Manchin and all Republicans chose not to give the support to children that they needed. We told them this would have happened, and it has now happened. Poverty has doubled. But you know what? Fox News has an interesting way of spinning it. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. The American political system, a presidential system, is what's called in the political science literature, with competing parties controlling different branches of government, can invite really tricky situations. Here's an example. In a race for president, where a candidate's fortunes are so closely tied to how people think the country is doing generally, the opposition party, which might control a House of Congress or two, can have the incentive to actually want things to go poorly for the country because it will hurt the president in power. And today, Fox News showed they are fully embracing that dynamic while the Democratic president runs for re-election. Suddenly, the folks over on that network are very, very concerned about the rate of child poverty in America under the Biden administration. Watch how host Harris Faulkner delivers this news about new 2022 data just out from the Census Bureau. The child poverty rate, and this is one that really jumped out at me, has more than doubled during that same time. Not only is he wrong, he's hurting people, particularly children, with his policies. He's hurting people, particularly children, with his policies. Now, that data is correct, but she's leaving out a pretty key piece of context. You see... Early in 2021, Joe Biden, the Democrats in Congress enacted a nearly $2 trillion stimulus. Remember, it was the American Rescue Plan. And that legislation did something incredible. It significantly expanded what's called the child tax credit. Simplified, what it meant is that during that year, families making under $80,000, basically, would receive up to $300 per child per month. And I should note that not a single Republican voted for that bill. Now, this graph shows what happened to the child poverty rate as a result of the child tax credit that Democrats and Joe Biden passed. 
Look at it fall there at the end. It was cut nearly in half in one year, plummeting to an all-time low of just over 5%. It was an incredible policy success, one of the best I've ever seen in the time I'm covering politics. And this is what we now know happened last year after Democratic Senator Joe Manchin withdrew his support for the tax credit. And once again, zero Republicans would agree to vote for it. Biden and the Democrats were forced to let the plan expire and child poverty skyrocketed right back up to where it was before. So we were stuck in this intolerable situation in which pushing millions of kids into poverty becomes a perverse political win for one party. And Fox News can tell their viewers with a straight face how it's Joe Biden who is impoverishing more children in this country. Now, it is time for us to make sure that all of those who forced forced the signing of a bill that did not have the support for the poor, that everybody understands it. The party that loves life, the party that claims to support families, what did it do? It made sure that people went from not being in poverty right back into poverty. We had solved the poverty problem. We had solved it. We know that policy supporting children can take children out of poverty, irrespective of the conditions the parents. We can do it. It's a policy decision. Republican orthodoxy, Republican policy, as well as Joe Manchin's policy, the guy who is the senator of the poorest state in the country, is to let kids starve, is to let kids live in poverty, is to put kids under stress. Everybody should know this. This is something that needs to be preached day in and day out. And it's a reason for people to come out and vote. We spend a lot of absolutely so, absolutely so, absolutely so. Um, so Neil, I'm I'm pretty sure that you heard the uh, uh, what occurred in um, uh, with the census data yesterday, correct? I did, yeah. Um, in fact, I'm looking I'm looking at it here, and I'm looking and reading the New York Times story. Poverty among children more than doubled to 12.4 percent from a record low of 5.2 percent. Uh, the previous year, uh, the increase has followed two years of historically large, de- large declines in poverty, driven primarily by safety net programs created or expanded during the pandemic. So we saw we saw that there are ways there are. We were told these problems are intractable, but substantial progress was made quickly. And, and and the interesting thing is, yeah, so if you take a look at the, those graphs, you actually see a straight line down to the drop in poverty and a straight, uh, not a straight line, but, you know, with, with a slight angle and almost a straight line up as soon as those subsidies were removed. Ironically, if you put those subsidies across uh, in relative to the subsidies given to corporate America, you would see that, wait a minute, that is misplaced monies. We can actually solve the poverty uh, problem without 
destroying the economy. And, at the, and, and, and it's almost sinful to talk about the poverty problem relative to the economy since the poverty problem should be an absolute. It should be, in the, it should be an independent variable for, sol- for solving. We shouldn't be saying, well, we only solve poverty if X, Y, Z occurs. We should be saying we solve poverty as an absolute. And that is what's missing, I think, from um, from what we're talking about. We have somebody on the line, Johnny. Johnny wants to ask a particular question. Come on in, Johnny. Yeah, believe it or not, I was not planning to, <laughs> to call in today, but I got a one-two punch. This morning, I heard something on NPR that I wanted to run by your guest. I realized today's Thursday. So before I do that, I just wanted to say, Egberto, I love what you just did. You connected the dots for people. You you reminded people while what the Republicans are doing on one side, uh, diminishing what the Democrats are always trying to do in terms of policy that benefits people rather than, than corporations. You reminded people about the subsidies for corporations. That's right. Right. We always provide full context on KPFD. Anyway, yeah, it, it's amazing my- because before 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 you say that, I want I want to expand on that some, Johnny, because it's important. Because I have listeners on my show uh, on the conservative side that the first thing that they will ask is, "Where is the money going to come from if, if we're going to support poverty?" The people, how, and my thing is, first of all, that's the wrong question. The question shouldn't be, "Where is the money going to come from?" It should be, "Where uh, uh, where are we going?" To, is that we must get the money from somewhere to solve the social program, bar none. It, one shouldn't be dependent on the other. But secondly, for those people who think that way, we are already throwing money at corporations, subsidies. In fact, if you listen to the piece that we did yesterday with, uh, with uh, Bill Hun, Bill Hun said the problem with neoliberal Democrats is that while Republicans solve the problems by cutting taxes, we don't cut taxes as Democrats, those who are Democrats. What's done is you're giving subsidies, but just to the wrong people, to the corporations, with the expectation that it'll trickle down. But anyway, make your point, uh, Johnny, because I just wanted to clarify that so that people say it can understand. For those who want to know where the money is, the money is there. Go ahead, my friend. And these are the very same people, I will remind our audience that I know you already know this, these are the very same people who never question where we could get the money from when it comes to providing the military with what they need, even though the military, the Pentagon has failed four consecutive audits. And you and I both know what, what that's about. But that's the subject for another day. Here's my question right. for your guest, Rakino. Uh, shortly after five o'clock this morning, about a quarter after the hour, when I, when I woke up, I run NPR in the mornings. And I was listening to a conversation that they were talking about to do with term limits in Washington, D.C. And uh, as expected, the guy on NPR, I don't know if it's the guest or one of the NPR employees, he made some good points, which I agree with. He One of the things he said was, uh, you have to have institutional memory, but you, you, you don't need to have people in Congress that are there 40 and 50 years, which I definitely agree with. He would prefer an 18-year term max as a goal. But I didn't hear him talk about the irony of the fact that the wisdom that he says people like Pelosi, Schumann, Biden have, if they're so wise, how is it that the young people, the inexperienced, what behind the years people like Alexandria, Rashida, Ilhan, and how come those young people, inexperienced as they are, how come they're wise enough 
not to take corporate dark and pack money. So why don't they do what I've been begging them, demanding them to do, like step aside yesterday and allow these young folks start practicing how to execute leadership roles in the party in order to bring the Democratic Party to the left, to where it belongs, where the American people want it and demand it to be, because you and I both know that when I speak, I speak for a supermajority of Americans anywhere between 60 and 75% of America agrees with me on a variety of economic and social issues. So let, Not so let's brother, let, let brother Neil Aquino answer you. I'm sorry. I'm not. Um, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't hear the question. I'm sorry. And 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 um, what's what's the nub of it? I'm, excuse me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not able to hear the caller. Oh, you're not. Oh well, we got to. Oh wait, we got to try to fix that. Okay, the question that he's asking is about term limits. So give actually. I tell you what. Give give me your thoughts on term limits as I try to uh, uh, make sure that you can hear the. And, and there's a there's a there's a bit of an echo with you. The. Um, well, with term limits, uh, at least at the federal level, uh, they're just not—they're not in the Constitution. That—that that has been the. Um, um, if I'm answering Johnny's question, there's just at the federal level, there's there's it's 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 not in there, and then there are term limits um, in many state legislators, not in Texas or at Houston City Council. There's an eight-year term limit. Many state legislatures have term limits. I actually find that to be a little short. Um, I, because what I find is that um, these folks need jobs after they leave office after eight years. And almost as soon as they get there, they're looking for the next uh, gig or they're looking uh, in politics or they're looking for the next corporate job. And so the premise of term limits was supposed to be that it makes these legislators more autonomous. And I, I have wondered if, if, if you had term limits that actually maybe a, a 12 or 16 year term limit. Um, would would make more sense. It's usually it's usually something like eight, um, and then there there's there's so much leadership and experience lost right off that um, it, it it doesn't seem to work. Now, um, uh, uh, Johnny, um, I think I, I I think I may have fixed the issue with uh, with Neil not being uh, able to hear you. So let's see if uh, uh, you have any other question for Neil. No, except I think you did a good save right there, Egberto, when you asked him uh, to comment about term limits in general. Uh, we can, I want to thank KPFT, you guys. I figured out the soundboard where I can now listen to you guys when you talk to your fellow time travelers on hold. I can do that. And that's a <laughs> big, big difference. So you got half the problem solved. Thank right you, there. brother. Thank you. I appreciate your call, yeah. Johnny. All right, folks, don't forget, this is a, a, a call-in show, 713-526-5738. Uh, just, as, uh, just as Howard have to get some of the tin cans and string going, sometimes we have the same issue with the tin cans and strings here as well. Len, let me, let me add to that poverty. I just I just pulled the story up. But, you know, there's a... Um, there's a universal basic income program that our county commissioners launched in june um and it got the usual yes. you know republican um it got the usual republican criticism i think it was a 20 million dollar um harris county commissioners have approved Stipe. a pilot program monthly stipends 500 dollars a month and as i recall there was a senator i think from galveston a republican senator who um state senator who immediately said we're going to pass a law in the legislature to prohibit universal basic income right so um, every, everything we do, they come after. And then when the problem isn't addressed, they come after that as well. Well, and, and that is what you've noticed uh, in, in, in the response to 
uh, that what the Fox News piece, you couldn't hear it as I played it, but what the Fox News uh, piece uh, laid out is that if you take a look at how they're interpreting this increase in increase in poverty is that it's a policy problem created by Biden. When Biden, look, you know, I'm not a a fan of neoliberals, but Biden did the right thing when he passed the laws that gave the the subsidies to children. Okay, and it worked. It worked. Children are, you know, it reduced stress. It did a whole lot. It worked. Giving giving subsidies to humanity is a lot more effective than giving subsidies to corporations. How do we know that? We have all the numbers now. We've already proved that corporations are getting too much money in our economic system. How do we know that? Income disparity, wealth disparity is not a is, is a proven thing. We also see that giving subsidies to people in need, not giveaways, but subsidies to people in need, we also prove that that reduces poverty. We also prove that reduction in poverty accelerates an economy. How do we prove that? That's what occurred during that period as well. And we also proved that it's not inflationary to actually have people in a system because again, guess what happens when children are get their subsidies? The parents can get a chance to work. The parents can put them in daycare or whatever so that they can go to, I mean, all around it's good. It's all around good, and we have proven it mathematically. It is sad that we have a party. The Medicaid terminations, we've seen that in Texas as well. Um, Yes. So uh, because of that program, the share of Americans without health insurance, this is from yesterday's New York Times and the child poverty story, um, the share of Americans without health insurance matched a record low of 7.9%. But states are unwinding that temporary coverage, the Medicaid coverage that came with the pandemic, and the uninsured rate has probably increased in recent months. Recent months, and I actually recently spoke to a, a Texas activist. Um, um, I won't mention him, but it's actually someone you know, uh, Egberto. And that person told me that that was directly um, impacting uh, him. And this this is someone doing all the right things: someone working, someone raising a family, helping his parents. And they've lost the uh, the Medicaid uh, coverage that came from the pandemic, and he's he's messed up. He's messed up with it. It it is sad. And again, these are the the same people that are affecting this problem are the ones who claim to be believe in family values, who claim mm-hmm. to believe in humanity, who who want all these things. But all the policies that help human beings, they're against. All the policies that donate money to the wealthy, they're for. And talking about donate money for the wealthy, um, and this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's apropos. Uh, if you take a look at uh, what we are going to be, uh, what we are going to be uh, voting on in November, there is uh, art- amendments to, or amendment article seven on the Texas Constitution, section 25. Here's what they want to add to the Constitution. And everybody that's out there, I really want you to listen to where your, uh, where your represent, what your legislators are concerned about. This is very important. Here's the words that they want to add. Uh, they want to add a constitutional article that says, prohibits the legislature 
from imposing a tax based on the wealth or net worth of an individual or family, including a tax based on the difference between the assets and liabilities of an individual or family. That is a, that is a law. When you break that law down, it is justifying the accumulation of wealth of a few. It is so, it, it is so, so, it's such a vicious attack on the middle class. According to John Carter, they're trying to codify that from this day forward. Texas will not tax those super wealthy. It's disgusting. That is from John Carter, who is on, uh, who is on the chat. Alistair Waters is currently on the line. Let's go ahead and speak to our sister from Conroe, Alistair Water. Come on in. All right. I think she'll be in in, in a few seconds as uh, uh, Jack uh, points it out. Come on in, Jack. Here I am. Here I am. Yes, nope. I can hear you, ma'am. Oh, oh I can okay, hear you. cool. Awesome. So I know the reason, the biggest reason that a lot of the the right is fighting for that universal income in Harris County and all of that and that and well and then federal level if that were to ever want to present itself mm -hmm. is because the there's so many in that in that side that have the opinion that there is that would enable welfare queens the 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 false narrative of welfare queens and that you it know, would enable continue to be welfare queens and and where you said you know how it would it would embolden parents to be able to go and get jobs and keep their kids in safe uh, child care. I, yes. I'm not going to say that there aren't people that would take advantage, but the root of everyone, you want to work for a purpose. You want to have a purpose. Yes. And provide and take pride in that, and not not the shameful type of pride, but the pride knowing that what God has blessed you with, you can use to bless others, and that includes your family. So it's it just, but you know, it won't happen as long as there is a majority of people that will buy into the the whole welfare queen stigma. Now, let me, I, want to, I want to break in a second here, um, Alistair, because you have said something so important. It's a fallacy that there are a whole bunch of welfare queens out there. I notice they like to talk about the welfare queens. It's always something against females, right? The welfare queen. Yeah. As if, you know, well, let, yeah, let, let's, let's be clear. always the women that are taking care of the family. Yeah, but what I'm saying yeah, is, it's deeper than that. Arms. It's too. It, it's sexist. And it's always. It's always putting the blame onto uh, something else. But uh, here's what I women. really want to add. Yeah, as, the damsel is skewed, or you, she can't make up her mind. So let's make it up for her. 
and take control. Right, there's, a, there's a slight delay. We have a slight to. delay. So sometimes we speak against each other. I mean, on top of each other. So oh, forgive me, Alison, it's a slight sorry. delay. But here's what I want to say. There's, here's what I want to say. Because it's important for people to get it. Some, even, even some rank and file middle class folks will sit back there and hear your argument as far as welfare queen is concerned and they'll internalize it and say, yeah, if we don't make people work, they're going to sit back and take the $500 or however money they get. The fact of the matter is there will be a few people who abuse the system. That will occur. But let's look at corporate America who gets subsidies, corporate America who gets tax breaks, corporate America who gets all these benefits from government. Look at how they abuse the system. And they don't abuse the system in increments of $500 or increments of $2,000. They abuse the system in increments of charging 10 times what a missile costs when the Defense Department sells it to uh, the military. They're talking about simply a complete theft from the corporate sector, which is, which is not on the order of billions, but hundreds of billions of dollars. So if you're looking for who abuses what uh, the monies they get as subsidies, it's not the, the average middle class or poor person. The second item I want to bring up based on what you said there is, yes, if you, if you put money into the hands of people, it doesn't stop them, most people, from wanting to go out there and get a job. And you know how we know that, Alistair? You know I go to Netroots every year. And every year there are two or three organizations who are doing test pilots. They're doing test pilots on this exact issue. Uh, just like Harris County did a test pilot with $20 million for basic income, they're doing that all over the country. And no study thus far has found that the people who got these subsidies just sat on their butts. They all used it to better themselves and empower themselves. They all use it as sort of a catalyst to start something good. You want to add to that, Neil, before I, I go back to Alistair? Well, I, I'll just say to uh, to Miss Alistair, thank you, that, right, women, right, there's, there's it's, 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 it's meant to... Uh, stigmatize women uh, directly. Uh, the women are having babies. Women aren't working. And the welfare queen evokes some really ugly imagery from the 1980s. Um, and, and Ronald Reagan and he would, I won't even repaint the picture that, that he would have. But I think oh, yeah. that, 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 that what Ms. Allister is saying, that view to stigmatize women but below a certain income level as idle, or, or collecting, it is it is a direct attack on on, on the autonomy of women and, and the dignity of women, and and makes poor people out to be or people facing some economic challenges out to be something they're not. It, it is meant to stigmatize Abs- an ugly ugly absolutely stereotype. absolutely. And you know that says sadly the vast majority of welfare. Goes to corporations. And Boeing is a huge welfare recipient, and yet they fail to deliver a good product in a timely manner. Just look at the KC 46, the current manned space capsule, both paid with taxpayer money. Likely with a, a whole lot of boondocks. Anything else you want to add, Alistair, before we continue? No, we're good. We're good. Thank you for giving me a pedestal to stand on. 
Well, you know, Alistair, everybody should know this is y'all's show. Remember that, folks, 713-526-5738, 713-526-5738. When I tell you it's your show, I mean it. When I tell you you can change the direction of the show, I also mean it. Go ahead and let's bring William into the fold. Come on in, William. Howdy, pilgrims. And I always say... I am doing fine. I, and since I was... Uh, Yay, hi to a grasshopper. But thank you all for your service. And as well, uh, we brought nothing into this world. We're going to take nothing out. I, I love your show. Peace. Thank you so kindly, uh, my brother. I appreciate those kind words. Uh, are you still there? Or I think, okay, I think you, you, you well, hey, you know, it's great. It's great to have a caller that calls in just to give some kudos to a program. I thank you so kindly, sir. I am humbled. Um, Neil, you wanted to talk a, 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 a bit about uh, two particular issues. Why don't we start uh, number one? And then let me say also with the wealth tax, I, uh, in addition, I think that's Proposition 3, and there is a statewide campaign coming. I have heard, I've had a couple of people talk to me that there is going to be an organized opposition to what I believe is Prop 3, inhibit, uh, prohibiting taxes on it is prop three or accumulation so do do look for that i'm not i'm not uh, involved in it but there are it is coming um or i'm not involved with it yet um i just wanted to point out very quickly um the houston chronicle yesterday ran an editorial written by alexander Melier, um making some criticisms of lena it doesn't it doesn't even matter what they are um and the reason it's noteworthy, you, normally you could ignore her words as a sore loser, um, but we continue to normalize people who won't accept election results. And so with my work with the Houston Democracy Project, um, which is my effort, um, I'm, I'm, I want uh, one goal of it, uh, in addition to inspiring and strengthening and organizing pro-democracy coalitions in Houston and Harris County, it is to stop the normalization of people who won't accept elections. And it is real bad judgment. It's it's the editorial board. Sometimes people uh, in, in the heat of the moment, uh, the, the reporter is just reporting. This is the editorial board. And they gave a forum for Miss Mulier's opinion. But the woman is still in court. Last week, we talked about her lawyer fired her um, because she seemed to be alleging some fraud in the election um, that the lawyer didn't want to back up. Um, so I wish that our local media sources would would stop giving forums uh, like this, especially a discretionary forum, like an editorial column um, that doesn't even go on, isn't even news, um, um, uh, to people who won't accept our elections. And I wish we would have, you know, a, 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 a greater realization of the threats that 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 not accepting election represents I for I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, they are a clear and present danger to our democracy. And, and the Fort Estate, the media, should not be giving them a platform to do that. We have Melissa on the line. Melissa, come on in. Yeah. Melissa, you're on. Um, okay, so this is, I'm, I'm just baffled at what I just heard just now. Um, who who is the caller referring to as the urban queen? Like, and not urban queen, a welfare queen. It's too early for this. Oh no! What what I was trying to say is is that 
referring to as a welfare queen. There was never any welfare queen. Never. If anything, it was queens in New York, and they were the main. Uh, uh, they, they put that uh, that that did well. See, I'm an '80s baby, and what my mom told me was is that they made a situation where the urban America was trying to was you know needing help and assistance, and all of a sudden they turned in, it turned into this case where they didn't want to work. Um, and they didn't, I mean, you know, women didn't want to work and, you know, they just wanted to suck off the system. It wasn't that, that wasn't the case. There, there was, there was no job for urban America to have. And then therefore they had to had, get assistance. Now, if we want to talk about the system, the system is set up to where if you work and you're on welfare, quote unquote, they will give you assistance. So it's like you're 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 under minimum wage already, and then on top of that, you have to also supply apply you know supply daycare and assistance to get to that job that you're already underpaid. And so the system was supposed to um, help that the help that you know a subsidy give a subsidy for that. And I'm I'm tired of silver spoon women. And you can use if you can put that in the place of welfare queen. So if there's urban America is a welfare queen, then the silver spoon women come in and bash on the welfare queen or whatnot because they never needed help. And for women on women, they that needs to stop. And this is why we can't we telling the man he can control us because we can't we can't seem to get it together ourselves. Support is needed. That's all. Okay, let me ask you, Melissa. I, I hope, I hope, Melissa, wait, Melissa, no, no, you did great. You did great. Let me, I just want to make sure that you know that we were actually uh, pointing out that this welfare queen thing was a fraud. You understand that, right? Yeah. Okay, I wanted you to understand that we were, we were pointing out that those people who like to talk about the welfare queen, it was always a fraudulent statement. Now, let me tell you, you, you brought up a subject that needs to be analyzed a bit further because you gave me a talking point, necessary a instructional point here. When you said you go to work for, for minimum wage or less, and at the same time, you have to put your kid in daycare so that you can work, Here's what most people don't understand, Melissa. What you just said there was a subsidy to corporations. You were providing a subsidy to two corporations as you put your child. I'm, I'm saying you as not you, Melissa, but as, as a person in, in, a, in, in that state. You as a person who are putting somebody in, in daycare, you have created a company to, uh, that makes money for you having to put into daycare and you being underpaid as an employee, you are also under, providing under, a subsidy under. to that underpaid. You are providing a subsidy to that corporation who are who is getting more bang for the buck. What a, and that is the thing I try to put to... Uh, I'm trying to tell America this in, in the aggregate. Look, let's stop. Let's not have any middle class person have a some feeling that we need to be concerned about business because they are definitely not concerned about you. And for decades, from the inception of this country, we have been subsidizing the few. 
The many, and this has, you know, uh, what what the few have done is they have racialized issues. They have uh, they have genderized issues. They have put all these things so that we will be against each other, so that we don't fight the real power that be, which is the corporate state. So, Melissa, you gave me a chance to expand on that. I thank you so Sorry. kindly. Anything Thanks. else before I go to uh, Steve? That was it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Let's go to uh, Steve. Come on in, Steve. Hey, good morning, brother Egberto and Neil. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Uh, I, I agree. It's a uh, um, oh, a lot of divide and conquer, the art of war. And uh, um, I think Neil's point about people denying elections, I think the people in power are going to uh, win if they keep us less educated and less informed. Right. Uh, and, so, and one more thing, I love having Neil on because it seems like we have more female voices. So I would have one suggestion for you, slightly critical, um, but progressive. If uh, Oh, this is a great progressive show. So I would suggest possibly having a Mayor uh, Melissa or Mayor Alistair and uh, not nothing wrong with Johnny or Brian, but you know they might be getting too old. Might need to move them out. Uh, <laughs> hey, let me, you know, brother Steve. Let me tell you this: I have Steve. I have no problem from going forward. But given that Melissa has, I'm not Melissa. Given that uh, Alistair has called several times, I think Alistair then would have gained the 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 right to be mayor, Alistair. So we'll have. At co-mayors at this point. Well, no, actually, well, Johnny, you just lost your mayorship. It's going to be now Mayor Alistair, and that was imposed by Steve, another listener. And since this is a democratic show, hey, what can I say? Anything else, Steve, before I jump to Peter? Um, no, I just love hearing from former mayors, uh, Johnny and Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Berto. Okay, you have a great one. Come on in, Peter. <laughs> Thanks for the kind words. Good morning, Egberto. Good, good morning, sir. How are you doing this morning? Outstanding. And I'm, wow, what a great topic and so many great things to talk about this morning with this whole concern over, you know, this child tax credit expiring. And then I know, uh, Egberto, because I helped some of my customers with their taxes, and I know it did. They, it was a big hit when they didn't see that uh, in their tax return, so to speak. So it's it does make a difference when the people have extra money, say, for example, for child care, uh, you know, they, they can get that part-time job. So, um, so really, honestly, what I think it comes down to is, um, it's all math. We're talking a lot of math this morning as, you know, also a public school teacher. And if we just educate, start with educating people just in general, like on, on math, like just basic budgeting. And so I would say it starts with that, Egberto. And then as far as our representatives up in the halls of Congress, like, uh, the job I'm running for now, um, I just I just think it's our watchdogs are honestly failing us. To be quite honest with you, if their job is to be a watchdog and to balance budgets, um, uh, so that would just be the first step. That they they should really do it. Like Peter, like you're right. Be, they're do, they're do, you're, should be a war on poverty. Ahead, I'm, I'm sorry too, and I'm sorry. Yeah, should you be know, a war on, we're fighting these other. No, let me tell you, Peter. 
Peter, our lines are filling up, but let me just tell you, let me just tell you, you're absolutely right. It should be a war on poverty. The same impetus that we put for the war in, 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 uh, in Ukraine and impetus that we put elsewhere, we should right. put in these other places. So thank you so kindly for calling in, Peter. And you, you keep on pushing my brother. And by the way, like I tell all teachers who call this show, teachers will always be my idols because you are the guys who move uh, knowledge forward. Thank you so kindly. You have a great rest of your day. Let's go to Donald. Thank you. Donald, come on in. Hey, good morning. See if this uh, pandemic good. proves us anything is that they can give us the money up front. Why should people with children have to wait to file their taxes and get all them in earned income credit. Give them the money every month, and that will actually support the family instead of giving them a lump sum at the beginning of the year after they paid their taxes. They know they're going to get the money, so why not just give it to them in installments, and it helps everyone, and that's it. Abs absolutely. Uh, Donald, don't go yet because I want to – well, well. before uh, – let me give my guests a chance to say respond okay, to that real quickly, and then I have a – Go. I'll go ahead. All right. Okay. Go ahead real quick, Neil. Just a comment. <laughs> Very good. Well, Brian, I, 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 I lost you. Okay, am I there? Go ahead, Donald. Yeah, you just... You actually got HPD to do their job and write somebody a ticket because, see, the softball didn't hit you. Now, if it had hit you, he'd have wrote the ticket. <laughs> and they're there to watch you, not watch other people throw stuff at you. <laughs> Thank you, Donald. Donald, you have a good one. You have a good one. Hey, Neil, respond before I respond. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Take care, brother. Back to, um, I, I think, two weeks ago, um, I, I'm part of a weekly protest at Senator Cornyn's office, 5300 Memorial Drive, 1130 to 1. Next week will be week 345. And the gentleman is referencing a man who threw a, a softball uh, at us that missed by a foot in the theme of that conversation a little bit because the police sort of turned it around on us saying that we we had disturbed him and that that provoked him and he threw some other things at us another week um, and sort of the theme of that conversation was not allowing uh, police to to turn around on protesters actions done to them and standing up to acts of violence because we insisted that the police address the guy even though um even though they didn't really want to in that instance. You did the right thing, Neil. You did the right thing. All right, let's jump to uh, Samantha. Come on in, Samantha. Samantha, you're on. Maybe you're on mute, Samantha. Okay, Samantha, I'm going to... All right, let's put Samantha on hold. Oh, she left. Let's go to Brian. Come on in, Brian. And Samantha, yeah, I, call I back. I want to hear you. Yeah, I know you have other callers. So I'm going to be as brief as possible about abortion. It takes two yes. people to have a, a child, correct? It's correct. For the for the moment, it, 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 I'm sure they're working on, on, on a lab, but yeah, go ahead. Okay. Now, what if the male wishes to uh, have the, the child? Who speaks for uh, his voice? What, 
Well, he doesn't. I'm sorry. That, that is one thing where males don't have a voice. They have to depend. Uh, yes, it takes two. But the thing about it is since the male doesn't carry the child, the male has no voice until he takes care of that child, which means until that child is birthed. So no, he has. Let, let me tell you, if he wants to have an influence on that woman, then he b- better be nice to that woman and does what it what they always ask of women to do to get the things that women get from men. You see, when men get at a disadvantage, they scream. But when they put women at a disadvantage, they want to be of omnipotent power. So, you know, it's amazing, right? We are at a disadvantage, uh, Brian. We don't have a say. Women do. We don't. They do. That's my answer, my dear brother. Okay. Now, my niece had a daughter. That daughter had a premature child. They, uh, they life-lighted her from Crystal Beach to UTMB. I went there. I saw the child in the incubator. It was about one-third the size of a Barbie doll. The attending nurse said, did you know that this stage, that child can be aborted? I had no idea. Later on, I found out about partial birth abortion. A woman wrote an article. She had a nervous breakdown because she was holding the head of the child. The doctor stuck a needle in the back of its head and sucked its brains out. Before that happened, that child touched that woman's hand and grabbed that finger. She had a nervous breakdown. Who speaks for the child? Well, let me let me just say this, okay? I mean, those things sound horrific, what you just said. No human being can listen to what you just said and not feel something. I did, as you said that. But again, my feelings don't matter. And I know when you talk about who speaks for the child. Brian, I hope the same passion that you have for an unborn child was the passion you had to support the born and the living. So my my thing is, these are not simple issues. They're complicated issues. And I I know what my position is. And I know where I am supposed to be. I know that I believe in supporting that woman, whoever that woman is carrying a child. And I would try to make life in such a manner that she doesn't feel that something that is appended to her is a burden. But ultimately, if society were more responsive to women in pregnancy, if society was more responsible with policies, these are questions we would never have to answer. So to people like you, Brian, who I think uh, basically have a heart, try not to have your heart polarized by an instant and have it polarized by positivity towards society as a whole. And then we won't even have to talk about issues like abortion. Continue, my friend. No, it, it is about abortion. You don't understand. Uh, again, said, I, as lo- Brian, as long as you, Brian, as long as you make the issue on abortion, you will be blinded from what causes abortion. I always say as an engineer, as a scientist, I like to look at causality. I like to look at what creates things, make things happen. The problem with shallow thinking, and I'm not calling your thinking specifically shallow, but those who inform you shallow, that the problem with that type of thinking is that everything everything seems to be a solution. You guys look at immigration the same way. 
You want to put a wall up as opposed to solving what is occurring that creates that border problem. When it comes to poverty, you want to tell people to go to work as opposed to looking at why is it some people don't go to work, etc. I believe in solving problems at the core where it's actually solvable. Whenever you guys talk about other things, and when I say you guys, not you specifically, but the right, the, the, the thinking methodology fails and it, it, it doesn't solve problems. It tries to put band-aids on things. Whenever you start having it, Neil, you want to add to that? I saw your mouth Brian, moving. I just have a question for Brian, and I, I, I mean, obviously I hope the answer is yes and everyone as well, but to, to your knowledge, did your niece have health insurance that paid for that life flight from Crystal Beach to um, to the medical center? Yes, she did. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that because, and, and I obviously hope everyone's well, because so consistently when we advocate for everyone to have health insurance, um, the answer is no. Um, those flights are tremendously expensive. And we talked a little earlier about the universal basic income program that Lena wanted uh, and the county commissioners have enacted uh, um, to a degree. And the Republicans immediately said, we're going to pass laws um, prohibiting it. So I, I wish that there was just better support for the infrastructure that would allow for healthy, healthy actions. All right. Okay. Give me a closer, Brian. I need to go to the next caller. No, I'm a mechanic. OK, I'm an actual true mechanic, not a parts changer. I am a mechanic. And that answers your question also. All righty. All right. Let's go to Johnny. Johnny, you're on. Yeah, you're in good company, Roberto, because Tom Hartman told uh, our friend Brian the other day that he's being duped by the right-wing media and right-wing politicians. So I think uh, I think we have given Brian a lot to think about, and I hope he does come around. Because oh, you mean Brian is a caller of uh, uh, Hartman as well? <laughs> yeah, he's called twice twice already, and uh, at some point. Okay. One call, he told uh, Brian that Brian's being duped by the other side. So anyway, I think deep down, Brian does care. I agree with you. And that's why I'm not... Working, yeah, he does uh, care. Yeah. Anyway, the reason why I called back, and I'm sorry for being a nuisance, I've, I've uh, demoted myself to police chief with the big buns, the big bun with the sesame seed and the billy club, like in the McDonald commercials. I'm the police chief now. Anyway, so... The reason All right, I'm police chief. <laughs> what I forgot to mention earlier with you is that uh, Joe Manchin is another example of how Asian experience don't necessarily matter because he, in all his wisdom, unlike Rashida and Ilhan and Omar and, and Cory Bush, he was against uh, helping those young people. He's in favor of against wealth, so-called welfare. And then, and then also to dovetail with what you said a few minutes ago about the welfare queen, Ronald Reagan made that up. That was all made up, just like George Bush made up the story about the. Guy yeah, but let me let me not all, let me let me stop you right there, Johnny, because I want to not only when I talk about neoliberals, I am not just talking about Republican neoliberals. I'm talking about Democrats also. When welfare reform was passed under Clinton, right. the Clinton two Gingrich. women next to Clinton signing the bill were two. Over, overweight black women. In other words, what Clinton did was to instantiate the, the, that, that Reagan theory, that Reagan lie. 
Clinton instantiated for the audience at large. And I, every time I put that picture out, a lot of people get mad. But Johnny, I got to go because it seems like there's another caller and I want to get that one last caller in before we go. Thank you, Johnny. All right. Uh, call, just throw that caller on the... Thank you, Johnny. Throw that caller on the line. I'll ask them their name uh, on the line because we only have a minute. Uh, caller from the 832 number, you are on the line. I think it is Steve. Come on in, Steve. Hi. Hi, how are you doing this morning? I am doing fine, Steve. You got about 38 seconds. Okay, I just want to say there's room for nuance on abortion. Um, and I think I want to respond to that guy. Uh, I think it's one thing to, uh, I think up, definitely up to six months should be a woman's call. I definitely think when it gets, uh, I'm definitely not, and I think it becomes more problematic when it gets to the eighth and ninth month. But as far as partial birth abortion, uh-huh. I doesn't realize is that partial birth abortions, for the most part, usually occur when there's a major medical emergency, not because a woman like a month before right. decides to get. So, and also there's contraception too. Is that guy wanted to, hardcore contraception to prevent. So I, I think I think there's room for nuance and I do think there's extreme views on both on both sides of abortion mate. That's my, my I opinion. agree. Hey Steve, I think you made your point and thank you so kindly for calling in and making that important point. I need to throw it right back to the studio real quick. Uh studio come on in uh, my brothers for a quick closer. Good show today. Lots of callers. And women callers too. Ladies keep calling. Yes. Uh Jack, what you got? Well, I wanted to go off on the abortion issue, but I'm going to share that another day. Uh, from a nursing standpoint, when I went through nursing school, I had to give a a uh, presentation on it, and I'll go over that tomorrow. Thank you very much, Jack. Neil, give me a closer. Great. Uh, well, I'm very appreciative of being on. I appreciate uh, all the callers. I just ask people to remain focused. Uh, awesome, um, as we did today on, on on local issues. All these things have a local uh, connection, and you can visit the Houston Democracy Program. Google Houston Democracy Pro Project. You'll find it. Thank you. Houston Democracy Project. Folks, I got to get out of here. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. Thank you, Studio. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Neil. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.